G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Sometimes God comes through for us in big ways, in small ways, or we're still in the waiting room. Pastor Greg Laurie has good encouragement. Are you in a place right now where you need a miracle in your life? In other words, if God does not come through for you, you are effectively dead in the water. Well, I have a word of encouragement for you today from the great theologian's journey. Don't stop believing. Don't give up. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. None of us are very good at waiting. What's that saying? Patience is a virtue, possess it if you can, seldom found in women, never found in man. The stakes are even higher when there's great danger or discomfort. But today on A New Beginning, as Pastor Greg Laurie continues our study series in the Book of Romans, we'll see God will come through for us, and His timing is always perfect. And the best example of His providence is in His Son's sacrifice for our sins. the story of two college football players who were taking a very important final exam. Now if they failed, they would not be able to play in the big game that weekend. So they had to get this right. In the exam was a question. It was the last question. You had to fill in the blank. The last question was, Old MacDonald had a blank. <laughs> very good. I see some of you got it already. I'm very proud of you. Uh, Old MacDonald had a blank. So Bubba said to his buddy Tiny, I don't know the answer. What did Old MacDonald have? And, and Tiny said, Bubba, you're so stupid. Old MacDonald had a farm. Right, Bubba said, a farm. And Bubba waited for a moment and then whispered back to Tiny, Psst, Tiny, how do you spell farm? Tiny said, Bubba, you're so stupid. What's wrong with you? It's spelled E-I-E-I-O. So, <laughs> anyway. How many of you loved to take tests when you were in school? You liked tests. There are some, not, apparently not in this church, um, <laughs> somewhere out there. Uh, but I hated tests, of course. And the reason I hated tests was, well, I never studied for them. That's why. But I have a test for you today. This is a multiple choice issue here. I'm gonna pose a question and you have three options for your answer. If you were to die tonight and stand before God and if he were to say to you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say? Here are your three choices. Choice number one, because I tried my best to be a good Christian. Number two, because I believe in God and I try to do his will. Number three, because I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin and I accept his gift. So how many of you choose number one? Raise your hand. How many of you choose number two? Raise your hand. Come on, number two, no. 
How about number three? How many of you, oh, you're smart, aren't you? I knew I couldn't fool you. And that is the correct answer, of course. Why is number one not the correct answer? Because I've tried my best to be a good Christian. Because basically, you're saying that you think you can earn your salvation by trying your best to be what you call a good Christian. You will hopefully find favor with God and He will let you into heaven. Getting into heaven is not based on what you've done for God. It's based on what God has done for you. And by the way, I don't even like the phrase good Christian. Oh, he's a good Christian. I don't know that I'm a good Christian. Am I a struggling Christian? Yes. Are there times when I'm a bad Christian? Yes. Am I a good Christian? What does that even mean? If I've learned nothing else in Romans 1 to 3, it's simply that I'm not good. I'll tell you what I am. I am a forgiven Christian. So I, I can live with that. Okay, but what about number two? It's a little closer, but it's not really there. Because I believe in God and I try to do His will. If category number one is earning your salvation, category number two is salvation plus works. I'm saying I believe in God, which is good, but I'm trying to do His will. Well, that's not gonna get me into heaven. And that's why number three is the only correct answer. Because I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sin and I accept His gift. Ephesians 2 says, by grace you've been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now in our last message in Romans, we are introduced to three important words that every Christian should understand. Their justification, redemption, and propitiation. What is justification? Justification means that God has forgiven you of your sin and in the place of your sin He has put the righteousness of Christ into your account. One way it's been defined as just as if it never had happened. Number two, redemption means a price has been paid for your sin. The Romans had many slaves. They would conquer nations and take people into slavery. People were literally sold down at an auction to be purchased. And so it would be like you're on the auction block and the price is paid for your redemption. Jesus paid the price for our redemption from sin and from death and then He forgives us and He adopts us. It's, it's like He comes and He buys us off the slave market, then He marches us down to the courthouse and adopts us as His son or His daughter. That's redemption. So justification, redemption, and now this tricky word, propitiation. Not many sentences you can work that word into, right? What is propitiation? It means to appease the wrath of. To appease the wrath of. So God had His righteous judgment. He poured it out not on you, not on me, though we deserved it, but instead He poured it out on Jesus. So Jesus Christ appeased the wrath of God. You could say God took His own medicine, so to speak, as Jesus drank of the cup. So Paul's conclusion is there's nothing we can do to earn or deserve this. Well now he's addressing the law-keeping religious Jewish person. The Jewish person that says, look, I'm one of God's chosen people, which is true. God established a covenant with us, which is also true. We confirm that covenant uh, through circumcision, that's right. And we have the law, so we don't really need to come through Jesus. We come in our own way. And Paul's saying, no, 
you come through Jesus. Those Gentiles, those non-Jews, they come through Jesus to God. But even you guys, with all of your benefits, still have to come through Jesus Christ. Well, they were not getting this, so he's playing it out. He's explaining it even further because they thought their good deeds, uh, in their case, circumcision, and attempts to keep the law would get them into heaven. Now, here's the interesting thing. Some people still believe this today, even Christians. Now, if you were to press most believers and say, do good works get you into heaven, they would quickly say, no, it's by God's grace. But in the way that they live, you would think that they believe that good works somehow earn the favor of God. For instance, I expect God to keep me out of trouble and answer all of my prayers if I do my duty as a Christian. I get up every morning and I have my devotions and then I spend X amount of time in prayer. Maybe I share the gospel. I've done my little duty. Now I expect God to bless me. And if something doesn't go right that day or I face some kind of trial, I say, wait, Lord, what are you, why is this happening? I did all of my little Christian duties. What are you doing here? See, in a way, you're trying to earn God's favor instead of understanding you have God's favor. I am not suggesting you not open the day with the Word of God and with prayer and attempt to share the gospel. What I'm saying is don't do those things to find God's favor. Do those things because you found it already. Let them be the overflow of a life with Jesus. That's the difference. You've tuned in for A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. Today, Pastor Greg is presenting a message called Don't Stop Believing from our studies in the book of Romans. Let's continue in Romans chapter 4. So now Paul's trying to make his point understand with Jewish people. So he picks two iconic Jewish leaders, two men that were highly respected by all Jews. Number one, it was Abraham, who's effectively the father of the Jewish people. And the second was David, who has been regarded as the greatest king of Israel. So Romans chapter four, read verses one to three. This is the New Living Translation. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about, but that was not God's way. For the scripture tells us Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness because of his faith. So we'll stop there. The word credited is used many times here in Romans chapter four. It's mentioned in verse three, verse four, verse five, verse six, verse nine, 10, 11, 22, and 23. Over and over, Paul uses that word, credited to his account. So for the self-righteous religious Jew who thought that because he was circumcised he was made right with God, Paul is pointing out Abraham was credited as being righteous before circumcision existed. But we still do the same thing. And we pointed this out earlier in Romans. Being raised in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian. Being baptized in water does not save you. Reading the Bible does not save you. Now if you are a Christian, you should read the Bible and you should be baptized. But the point is we can cling to these things as though they save us. No, they're the outward showing of what God has already done because salvation is a gift. Now Paul shifts gears and uses David 
as an illustration. Look at Romans 4, verse 6. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. See, even David was declared righteous. But why? Because of the awesome stuff David did. There's a lot of things David could have boasted of. He, after all, was the giant killer, brought down Goliath in the Valley of Elah. Also, David made Jerusalem the capital of Israel. He was a great poet. He was a writer of psalms. He was a musician. He was a warrior. He, I mean, he was a whole package. But that is not why God declared him righteous. He was declared righteous because he believed. Because he believed. And by the way, he had some serious lapses in his faith. I mentioned David and Goliath. Well, there's one other name that's associated with the name David. David and Goliath and David and who? Oh yeah, that's it. One represents his greatest victory, Goliath. One represents his greatest defeat, Bathsheba. And you know that story, how David was kicking back at the palace when the troops were in battle. He should have been there leading them. And so he was sleeping in late and he was walking around on his little patio there in the palace and he saw the beautiful Bathsheba bathing herself. And he was filled with lust and instead of repenting and taking a cold shower, he acted on his lust, had her brought up to his chambers, had sexual relations with her, and she got pregnant. Then he should have repented and acknowledged what he had done was wrong before God. But instead he tried to cover his sin up as people often try to do. So he had her husband Uriah brought in from the heat of battle to spend a nice night at home with his wife and he figured if they had relations together Uriah would think that well that's my child. But Uriah was such a dedicated soldier he would not allow himself to have the comfort of being with his wife that night and so David realized he had a do-gooder on his hands. So he basically sent Uriah to the front of the charge back in the battle and he was killed. So David you could say really murdered Uriah. So now he's guilty of adultery and he's guilty of murder. So he's done some horrible things. Yet God forgave David. And when did that happen? It happened when the prophet Nathan confronted him and David repented and communication was restored. And that is what is being mentioned here. How happy is the man whose sin is forgiven. David was not a perfect man, but he was a forgiven man. And because of that, he was a happy man. So now we shift gears back to Abraham again. And this is really now a model of how to hang on to your faith when things are really hard. Look at Romans 4.16. Therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all of Abraham's offspring, not only to those of us who are of the law, but to those who are having the faith of Abraham. He's the father of us all because God has made him a father to many nations. You see, Abraham is a model of how to have faith when things are looking bleak. God gave to Abraham the land of Israel and God made Abraham the father of the Jewish people over in 
Genesis 12, God said to Abraham, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. By the way, that's one of the reasons that here at Harvest we love the Jewish people because they're God's chosen people. And that is why we also love the land of Israel because God gave that land to the people. Now sometimes I'll hear people say, well you know what, the Israelis, they're occupiers in that land. Excuse me, God gave them the land in the first place before anybody else. And He gave them the city of Jerusalem. That's why I think it's a wonderful thing that the American Embassy has now been moved from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, recognizing that is the capital of Israel. If God recognizes it, we should recognize it. And then God made a promise, a covenant promise. He said of Abraham and his descendants, the Jewish people, I'll bless those that bless you and I'll curse those that curse you. So as we bless them, as we stand by them, God blesses us as well. So then God said to Abraham, I'm gonna make you a father of many nations. But man, he was getting on in years. I mean, he was so old, Arp wasn't even sending him newsletters anymore. <laughs> he was older than old. But he kept believing God was gonna give him that son. God was gonna fulfill his promise. So if you're taking notes, here's point number one. Abraham kept believing despite his circumstances. Abraham kept believing despite his circumstances. Verse 19, and Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about a hundred years of age he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. But Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this he brought glory to God. <laughs> there was no way he was gonna have a child at 100. No way that he was gonna be able to, well, let's just say it wasn't gonna happen. We'll leave it at that. And old Sarah, sure she was still a fox in her way, but she had never conceived a child before and she was past the age of childbearing. I mean, the only way this would happen would be if a miracle took place. Now let me ask you a question. Are you in a place right now where you need a miracle in your life? In other words, if God does not come through for you, you are effectively dead in the water. Well, I have a word of encouragement for you today from the great theologian's journey. <laughs> Don't stop believing. <laughs> Don't stop believing. Don't give up. God can get you through. He got Abraham through and he can get you through as well. So don't stop believing. They kept their hope alive. You see, they had God's promises and we have God's promises as well. Good encouragement today from Pastor Greg Laurie from his fascinating study called Don't Stop Believing. And there's more to come as this message continues next time on A New Beginning. The visually impaired sometimes trust a companion to lead them by the arm. Why? Because it's good to trust someone who can clearly see the way forward. Next time we'll see how we need to trust God to guide us because He knows what's ahead. Today's message from Pastor Greg Laurie was called Don't Stop Believing. 
If you'd like to listen again, just download the free Vision Christian Media app where it's available as a podcast, along with more inspiring Christian content. Just search your app store for Vision Christian Media. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.